0: You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Jonah. We're going to primarily be in Jonah chapter 4, but we'll be in a couple places before we get to Jonah chapter 4. Go ahead and turn the... The book of Jonah. We're going to start our reading when we do get to a reading in verse 10 of chapter 3. But I'm going to do a little bit of of, of summary before we get to the reading part. In in Jonah chapter 1, God describes the city of Nineveh to, to his servant, his man Jonah, as a great city. Um, I, I think in some ways of a city like Manchester. Um, we love Manchester, my wife and I are both city slickers, and so we, we are genuinely, we're some of those weird people on this earth who are excited about living in a very urban environment. That's kind of the environment we've grown up in, and. When we were married, we lived in downtown Oklahoma City. So we just, we love those kind of environments. So we're, we're, we're genuinely looking forward to living in a great city like Manchester. But when God calls the city of Nineveh great in the book of Jonah, he's not referring to the fact that the, the job market was high and the cost of living was low. Um, he was just referring to the fact that it was a massive city. Um, I don't think anyone would have really described it as a great place to live, maybe, unless you were maybe a Ninevite who lived there. The the city of Nineveh, maybe their claim to fame in their time and in the world was that they were just an absolutely revolting, just, they, they were a vile people. Um, you can look in history and, and what they would do to their enemies and the people was just disgusting. It was, it was really a, a terrible city. And they were one of the main cities of the nation of Syria, which were the, really just the sworn enemies of the nation of Israel, of God's people. And who Jonah is, is he was a servant, a, a prophet of god to the people of israel now the first time jonah comes up in the old testament is as he delivers a message to one of the kings of israel and he delivers this message from god to the king of israel and he says that the nation of israel is going to take back some cities that was taken that were taken from them from actually the people of syria and this happens and jonah's prophecy god's word comes to pass as it always does and and so israel gets these cities back and and everything we really know and learn about jonah is that he was a man who loved his people ...who loved his nation. He loved being a part of God's people, and that, that was a big part of his life. And he was, he was a messenger from God to the people of Israel. And then when we get to Jonah chapter 1, we won't meet it for sake of time... ...but God has a message for Jonah, as he's had messages before. But now God wants Jonah to take this message to the city of Nineveh... ...to the, the people of this, this city of Syria, the, the enemies of Israel... ...the enemies of everything that Jonah stands for and loves... And God tells him that I want you to deliver a message to them. And when Jonah hears this from God, he just turns, tail and runs the other direction. He wants absolutely nothing to do with this. Um, we, don't, we don't know exactly why at the beginning. We find out why exactly in chapter 4. But Jonah, is, he wants nothing to do with delivering a message from God to the people of Nineveh. Though on the surface, it would almost seem like it would be a, a message he'd be thrilled to deliver. Because the message is that God's going to wipe the city out. Because they're so wicked. But Jonah doesn't want anything to do with this. So he runs from God. He boards a ship. You're probably familiar with this, but let's kind of get the details fresh in our mind. As we go through this, he climbs on a ship. God sends a storm along. And and what starts to happen on that ship is really one of the main themes of the book of Jonah. And it's this, it's God working in the physical circumstances of Jonah's life to teach his, his servant a lesson, really to teach Jonah a lesson about who God is and really where Jonah and his heart is. And so God sends this storm along. It, it takes the ship, and, and Jonah eventually gets thrown overboard. And, and as he's going down at the end of chapter 1, it says in verse 17 that God prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And you can turn there if you want to see it, but in verse 17 there's a specific word prepared. It actually gets used several times in the book of Jonah. And the idea is this, this idea of preparing. It wasn't that, that this giant fish just happened to be swimming along. This was something that God was... He was getting involved. He was... He was we could say, use the word manipulating... But he was, he was getting involved in the physical circumstances of Jonah's life... For a reason, with intent. It wasn't by chance. And so this fish swallows Jonah. He, he goes down in chapter 2. It is Jonah's prayer to God. And while he's in that fish's belly, he repents. And, and, and we learn about God in chapter 2. That God is a gracious God. What, what Jonah says of God in, in verse 9 is he says that salvation is of the Lord it's incredible, I, 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 could, I picture it in my mind of Jonah saying this with his hand out raised as, as whether or not he wrote the book, but he was, he was excited, he was, he was a recipient of God's grace and mercy because that, that fish spit Jonah up onto the land, and though Jonah had just completely disobeyed and disregarded what God told him to do, he's a recipient of God's grace and mercy because he repented, he acknowledged that he was wrong, and, and, so, and then, so as it says of God a couple times in this passage is that God repented of what he had in mind for Jonah, or the idea is It isn't that God admitted that he was wrong, But, but as Jonah repented and he turned and acknowledged that he was wrong and turned towards God and acknowledged that his way was right, then God turned from his wrath and he showed grace and mercy to Jonah. That, that's, that's an incredible attribute of God, that regardless of, of whether you're, you're, you're a foreigner and you want nothing to do with God or whether you're one of God's servants on the run, that if you'll turn and you repent and you'll turn to God, that he will turn from the wrath that's abiding over you and he will, he will in his grace and his mercy, he will forgive you. It's, 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 it's an incredible thing that we learn about God in the book of Jonah. And so we, we get through Jonah chapter three and at the beginning of Jonah chapter three, God tells Jonah, okay, Jonah, he's out of the fish's belly. Jonah's experienced God's grace and mercy. He's proclaimed salvation. Is of the Lord. And, and, then, and then God tells Jonah, okay, now I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to deliver this message. And, and Jonah, he, he did not enjoy his, his his three-day Airbnb in the fish's belly. Yeah. And so he he decides that he's gonna obey this time. And so Jonah, he obeys, he goes to the city of Nineveh, he delivers this message from God. He says, In 40 days, God's gonna destroy this wicked city. And it's at this point that to me, maybe one of the most astonishing, if not the most astonishing thing in the entire book of Jonah happens. And that's that the city of Nineveh, this, this massive city, this wicked city, this city that, that really anyone looking on would have just rode off as, as a place where, where they want nothing to do with God, and they repent. It's not that a few of them repent. But the Bible tells us that everyone repents from the king all the way down to the beggar. They, they acknowledge that they're wrong and that God is right. And they put on sackcloth and ashes and they repent. And they say, maybe God will be merciful and he will be gracious and he will, he'll turn from his anger. And that's exactly what God does because God's a gracious God. And so the city of Nineveh, I love it because I, I can relate to this. You look at a city like Manchester, even some of the larger cities in our, in our country, and you wouldn't look at that city and be like, well, there's a, there's a city that's ripe for, for, for experiencing God's grace and mercy. Certainly that would have been the, what anyone on the outside would have said looking in at Nineveh, but, but, but Nineveh was in a place where they were ready to repent and turn to God. And, and they did this as Jonah delivers this message of condemnation. And then it says in verse 10, we we'll, we we'll, we'll begin our reading in verse 10 of chapter three. It says this, and God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. And when it says that God saw their works, this isn't some, something that they had to muster up. It wasn't something that they, they some work that they physically did, but it was, it was the work that it describes. It was that they turned from their evil way. God saw the fact that they were repenting. So they turned from their evil way. They acknowledged God was right and they turned to Him. And because of this, it says that God repented of the evil that He said He would do unto them, and He did it not. So you see the correlation, Nineveh repents of their sin, they turn from their sin and their wickedness, they acknowledge that they were wrong, and they turn to God, and when this happens, God repents. He doesn't acknowledge, he doesn't say he was wrong because God wasn't wrong, he's just. And even when God judges wickedness, and even though sometimes it may even seem a little harsh to us, God is never wrong. So God doesn't have to repent of doing wrong, but God saw that the posture of Nineveh changed and they were repenting, and so God turned from the judgment that was resting on them, and he turned to them in grace and mercy and forgiveness. It's it's incredible. If, if this scenario were to probably happen to any preacher that I've ever known, myself included, I mean, I would have been, I'll be absolutely thrilled if we get off the plane in Manchester and the city just puts on sackcloth and ashes and repents. I mean, I'll be, I'll be, very, I'll be surprised, but very pleased. Um, if he, maybe on a smaller scale, if, if every single person in this room were to be at the altar at the end of this message... I would be pleased. I mean, I'm not making it about myself, but that's a very thrilling thing. I'm sure Brother Joe would be thrilled to have everyone come forward and repent of something at the end of the message. But, but this is not the case with Jonah. We get to verse 1 of chapter 4, and look what it says about him. So this fact that, that Nineveh has repented and that God's turned from his condemnation towards them, it says this, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And Jonah is hot. He is, he is absolutely furious. He is he's livid. It, 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 and look what he says. I mean, this shows how livid Jonah is. This is what he says to God. This is the same God who just delivered him out of a fish's belly, who's just sent this just seismic storm in the play to, 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 to alter the course of events. Jonah, he's, he's aware of what God can do. And he's just so angry and he's so upset at what he's seen happen that he says this in verse 2. And he prayed unto the Lord and said... I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? You know what he's saying? He's saying, I told you so, Lord. He, he's, he's, he's letting us know if you ever wondered why did Jonah run from God. It, it's, it's because of this. He said, I knew this was going to happen. And then he says, therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. For I knew. Man, this is this is. Kind of humorous, but also shocking. Jonah says, I knew this was going to happen. I told you so, God. This is why I disobeyed in the first place. And he says, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful. Really wonderful things about God. Slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of the evil. I mean, Jonah knows this about God. He's just experienced this and being delivered from the fish's belly. And he's just proclaimed this and said, salvation is of the Lord. And Jonah said, I knew this was going to happen. This is why I disobeyed, because I knew you were gracious, and I knew you were kind, and I knew you were merciful, and I knew you were the kind of God that when you see, when you see man repent, that, you, that, that you'll turn from the condemnation you had laying on them. He said, I knew this was going to happen. And then he says this in verse 3. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. He says, you know what? Because I've had a part in in." in this happening because I delivered your message and because the nation of Nineveh has now repented and they've been spared. He said, it'd be better if you just killed me now, God. He said, in fact, it'd be, it'd be better if I had just probably died in that fish's belly is maybe what he's thinking. Jonah was just so upset by, by, by God's grace and mercy extended toward the people of Nineveh that, that he wished he would have, he would he, he could just die. He wished he would have been dead before any of this had happened. He'd rather, he'd rather be wiped off the face of the earth himself if it meant he also got to see Nineveh get wiped off the face of the earth. He says, therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. How does does a man get to that place? (laughs) I mean, this is God's servant. This isn't isn't like the scum of the earth here. This is someone whose job was to deliver God's messages from God to God's people, the nation of Israel. And here he is saying, I'd rather be dead and get to see the city wiped out than have any part in seeing Nineveh spared. And we're going to kind of look at how Jonah got to that point in his life. Before we do that, though, let's, let's open up in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, it can be very easy, Lord, for us for me to point a finger at Jonah. Lord, and you included this story in your word, this true story, because you wanted us to learn something about Jonah and about you. But as every time that we come to your word, dear Lord, it's not primarily for us to learn about the mistakes or the victories of others, dear Lord. But it's to see who you are, Lord. And then to see who we are in light of that. Lord, I, I can't adequately convey the truth of this passage, Lord, without your Holy Spirit's help. Not a one of us in this room, Lord, can understand it without your Holy Spirit illumining it to our hearts, Lord. But it... It doesn't have to be difficult or complicated, dear Lord, because you're a God who wants to do that. That's your desire. And so I just ask that over the next minutes that we spend together, that we would see you for the gracious God that you are and the priority that you always put on being gracious and merciful when man will repent, Lord. And that we wouldn't just see that about you, Lord. But then we'd examine our own lives in light of that fact. We'll give you all the praise and the glory for it. I ask these things in Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. So so Jonah says to the Lord, uh, it'd be better for me to die than to live. And and I mean, I'm not God, obviously. But you know, if, if, if one were God, you would think to yourself, well, I mean, God could probably very easily accommodate Jonah's request at this point in time, and he could just... He could just thumb them out and say, well, you, you know, if you, if you really want it that bad, I mean, he's very capable of doing that. But that's not what God does. Because God, he's been, he's been working in the physical events and circumstances of Jonah's life to teach him something. And, and, and really, chapter 4 is when this specific part of the book of Jonah comes to a head. As God's now spared Nineveh, and he's shown himself gracious and merciful in that. And in chapter 4, he's dealing with his servant Jonah. And God asked Jonah this question. In verse 4, in response to Jonah. Then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? God says, Jonah, is it right that you're angry? It is, is, we could put it this way, is the amount of anger you're showing and you're feeling towards what just happened, is it appropriate? Is this this righteous anger, Jonah? Doest thou well to be angry? And Jonah, he doesn't respond. Instead, really, he just goes off and sulks, kind of like when... You tell your kid to do something and they know that if I respond at this point, it's just going to get worse. So Jonah, in verse 5, it says, So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. So Jonah crosses his arms. He goes out. He sits on this hill. He builds a little booth to get some shade and relief from the heat. And he decides that he's just going to sit there and see what's going to happen. Maybe he has hopes of the fact that maybe Nineveh's repentance is going to be short-lived. And before you know it, they're going to turn back to their wickedness. And he'll get to see God smite in many ways. Maybe he thinks God's going to change his mind. We don't know exactly why Jonah does this. But he's just going to go out there and he's gonna, he says, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to see what's going to happen. So he sits out there. And then in verse 6 it says this. And the Lord God prepared a gourd. This is, once again, the same word that's used of God preparing this fish. Because, you know, at this point, Jonah's technically obeyed, hasn't he? He's delivered the message God said to deliver him. But God's, his purpose in our lives, or in Jonah's life, or in any of his servants' life, his, his purpose and his priority with us isn't just for our technical obedience. God, God still wants Jonah to understand something about who he is, and something about, about where his own heart is. And so God prepares this gourd, this vine, and he made it to come up overnight. It says he made it to come up over Jonah in verse 6, that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. So this gourd comes up, and, and, and it provides Jonah some shade, and this really begins to lift Jonah's spirits up. Now, I can relate to Jonah here. I personally hate the heat. Um, I, I'm so appreciative of our time in Oklahoma, but I was not appreciative of the summers there. They were just absolutely miserable. I was talking to Brother brother Mike just before service about how nice it is to not live in Oklahoma during the summer anymore. Um, The the climate where I'm from, we're just on the Wisconsin border, on the Illinois side, is similar to here. And I'll take the long winters if it means I avoid those summers. When I I am hot and sweaty, I am not a very spiritual person. I don't know how else to put it. Um, and, And if I can get into the AC or if I can get into some shade, my mood really improves. And this is what happened with Jonah. He's sitting out there, it's hot, and this gourd comes up. It provides him some relief. His life now is more comfortable than it was. This is, this is providing him with something that makes his life easier and better. And it's just that he gets, he gets pleased about this. He, he's exceeding glad of the gourd. And he feels like, well, and and, and I I read after one commentator, and they said, maybe Jonah thought to himself, this is God's way of showing me that he's not so mad after all. And that's that's all hypothetical. But in any case, Jonah is, he's in a much better state of mind now that he has some shade. Now that his life's a little easier. And then this happens in verse 7, though. But God prepared a worm. So God, again, he's getting involved in the physical circumstances of Jonah's life to teach Jonah a lesson. And he prepares this worm. And when the morning rose the next day, It smote the gourd that it withered. So God places this worm in the gourd. The worm eats the gourd up. The sun rises the next morning, and this gourd is gone. This thing that made Jonah's life a little better, a little more comfortable. And it came to pass, in verse 8, when the sun did arise, that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted. So then, then God, he prepares this vehement, the strong east wind. It's probably a hot wind when you're out in Oklahoma. In those summers, sometimes you're like, well, at least there's a breeze. And then it hits you, and you're like, nope. Because the breeze is hotter than the actual temperature sometimes it feels like. And so God, he, he prepares this east wind that comes through, and it's blowing on Jonah. And he's hotter than ever, and he's fainting. He's, he's just at the point of, of passing out, it would seem. And, and he says this in verse, in verse 8 at the end. And he wished in himself to die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah says, you know what? Once again, he returns to the state of mind he had earlier. He said, it would just be better if I were just dead. He said, it would, it, and I, I've seen Nineveh spared. And, and now this gourd, which is making my life easier, is gone. And it would just, it would be better for me to be dead than to be alive right now. And, and then God says in verse 9, and God said to Jonah he asked him this question, but then he adds a few extra words. He said, doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? Now it says, Jonah, is it the amount of anger you're showing and you're feeling right now about this gourd, is it appropriate? Is this, is this righteous anger that you're feeling for this gourd? Doest thou well to be angry? And, and Jonah, this time, he doesn't sulk, but he spits back at the end of verse nine, and he said, oh, I do well to be angry, even unto death. He said, are you kidding me? Do I, do I well to be angry? I tell you what, this, the loss of this wor- gourd is worth dying over. This, 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 is, this is the hill I'm going to die on. And, and, then, and then God said this in verse 10. Then said the Lord, thou hast had pity on the gourd... That word pity there, it means to look on something and to be moved with compassion. It, it, he said, Jonah, you've, you've, you're looking at this, this gourd that made your life a little more comfortable. And, and you're, you're mourning its loss. And you're, you're moved with compassion when you think about all that you had from that gourd and now it's gone. And then he points this out about it. He says, for the which thou hast not labored. He said, Jonah, you didn't work for this gourd. Neither madest it grow... Jonah didn't do anything to make this gourd grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. He says it's it's such a temporal thing. And and you're so moved, and and you feel so much pity for this gourd. What what the Lord is doing is he's pointing out to Jonah, Jonah, you see how upset and how how moved to compassion you are about this this temporal little plant that you really didn't even deserve because you didn't work for it? And, and you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't do anything to make it grow. You didn't work for it. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. It was really just a, a, a blessing from God, this temporal blessing that made Jonah's life a little easier. But here Jonah's so angry about it and he's so moved to compassion that he says, that gourd was worth dying over. And, and then look what God says in verse 11. He says, Jonah, that's what, that's what moves you to compassion. Then he says this, and should, I not, should not I spare Nineveh? That word spare, it's actually the same word as the word that was used for pity. It, it's translated spare or pity. But the idea is the same. Is it, God telling Jonah, Jonah, as you look on at this gourd and everything it represented to you, you're moved to compassion. And, and you pity it. And you, you would have that I spared it. He said, do you know what moves me to compassion? Do you know what I, I look on with pity? And do you know what I wish to spare? He said, Nineveh. And then he calls it again, that great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and also much cattle. The idea there of six score thousand persons that can't discern between their right and their left hand, six score would be 120,000. The idea is 120,000 children is the idea People who really weren't even discerned between good and evil. He's not referring to just a population of Nineveh overall because they knew the difference between right or wrong. Because when God told them he was going to destroy the city, they immediately repented because they knew that their lifestyle was wicked and wrong. They weren't ignorant of that fact. They knew that their life was wrong. So it's not saying that the whole city w- w- was ignorant. The whole city couldn't discern between the right hand their left hand. The idea is that there were, the city was so massive, it was such a huge city, that there were 120,000 children in it. Much, who knows how many adults? I mean, you could, you could, get, you could I'm sure, read after and see some speculation on that. But God's just pointing out to Jonah the sheer volume of people that this city represented. Yeah. Yeah. He's saying, Jonah, do you know what moves me to compassion? Do you know what I look upon and, and, and what I pity? He said, souls, yes. people, men, women, and children. And then the book ends. (laughs) In some ways, it's kind of a, I don't don't know if you'd say anticlimactic, but a cliffhanger, because we don't find out how Jonah responds. But but Jonah's response isn't the the primary point of of the book of Jonah. Really, the the primary theme of the book of Jonah, it's a book entirely about Highlighting and emphasizing God's grace and mercy for people. Whether that was God's grace and mercy for his wayward, disobedient servant Jonah, who he spared though Jonah didn't deserve to be spared, or whether it was this massive and wicked city of Nineveh that, that was just world-renowned for being for being as horrible a city as they were, but, but God spared and had compassion and was gracious and merciful to them. It's, it's a book that emphasizes God's grace and mercy. But there's something else that the book of Jonah emphasizes. That it, it doesn't emphasize this mamsy-pamsy God who's up there saying, you know, I'd just rather turn the other way and, and forgive everybody. There, there, there's a common theme. Why did God forgive Jonah? And why did he spare him and was gracious and merciful and delivered him out of the, fish, the fish's belly? That was because Jonah repented while he was in that fish's belly. Why did, why did God turn from his, his condemnation and, 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 and turn from destroying the city of Nineveh? Because they repented. You know, the book of Jonah, emphasizes God's grace and mercy. But as a magnificent and as much time as we should and we could spend emphasizing God's grace and mercy, God's grace and mercy cannot be experienced unless there's repentance. Right, right. Amen. And the, the book of Jonah doesn't shy away from that. God isn't a mamzy pamsy God who just wants to forgive everyone and for everyone to have a good time as, as, long, as, as, as long as he can just be loving He's also a holy God and he wants to be gracious and merciful, but that grace and mercy cannot be experienced unless there's repentance. Yes. So that's what the book of Jonah is pointing us towards. But when we consider Jonah, the, the physical person that, that's the main character of this book, he, he really isn't a hundred miles anywhere close to where God's heart is. I mean, here's a man I mean, who, 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 who appreciated experiencing God's grace and mercy in his own life and was willing and, and was happy to proclaim salvation is of the Lord when it been, meant that his bacon was getting spared. Yeah, right. But suddenly, when God being gracious and merciful and long-suffering and kindness and, and turning from his anger when there's repentance, suddenly, when that started to conflict with the way Jonah hoped things would go, Jonah was suddenly not such a big fan of God's grace and mercy because, I mean, the city of Nineveh, they were, they were the enemies of Israel. They, they opposed everything that Jonah's nation stood for. Um, I talked to a, a pastor about the book of Jonah once, and he, he gave me some, I feel like some insight into it that I, I can't fathom, but it helped me understand that a little bit more. He told me, he was, he's, a, a, he's a pastoring a church down in Texas. He has been for years, and he's a Vietnam veteran, and, I'm, I'm so thankful for his service. And he, he shared just a, a fraction of, of what it was like serving over there. But, but he told me that some of the things that he saw over there, that he saw the atrocities that he saw committed during that war against his fellow soldiers and against his nation, he, he told me that it was decades of being a pastor. He, these were his words, literally. It was, it, it was decades before he would even have thought about supporting a missionary to Vietnam. And, you know, I, and, and he told me that, you know, Jonah, he probably saw men and women and children carted off from his country as, 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 as slaves. Maybe he saw them slaughtered. He, he knew, what, he knew what, the, what the city of Nineveh, or the nation of Syria, had done. And now, not only was he beginning to see the possibility of them getting spared and not wiped out, but, but God's asking him to be a part of this process. No, I, I can't fully fathom what that would be like. I, I've been blessed and I've, I've, I've never had to, to see some of the things undoubtedly that, that Jonah saw or heard of or that that pastor in Texas did. And, and the pastor pointed out to me, you know, that, that, was, that was very likely Jonah. What the pastor told me is, and, and the, what the pastor told me is, you know what I had to do? About that frame of mind, he said it took him a long time. He said, but by God's grace, at some point, he said, I just had to repent of that attitude. Yeah. What should Jonah have done? You know what? Well, ironically, it's what Nineveh did. When he was confronted by how selfish he'd become, and how his priorities had become so out of line that he would rather see a whole city wiped off the face of the earth than what he hoped for his nation and than his plans getting messed up. He needed to repent. Yeah. Right. How, did, how, did God, how did God reveal to Jonah? that his heart was in this place, that he'd come so far, that he'd become so selfish and, and so wrapped up in life going the way he thought it should go, that he would, he'd rather die or he'd rather see thousands of people die than experience God's grace and mercy. Well, there's that question that God asked Jonah a, question, a couple times. He said, doest thou well to be angry? It, it, it was the things in Jonah's life that made him angry And that moved him to compassion the things that he mourned the loss of most that that's what revealed and indicated how out of line his priorities had truly gotten because jonah he was he was really concerned about life going the way he thought it should and his his nation prospering and and he was really concerned with the things that made his life more comfortable, like that gourd that provided him relief from the heat. And those were the things that he said, well, those are the things that I'm willing to die for. He literally used those words. But what God was pointing Jonah towards was this fact. That what he was getting angry about and what he was mourning the loss of most... They were indicators of where his heart was. And that's where God was going in the book of Jonah and in Jonah's life. This is why he was working in the physical circumstances of Jonah's life. He wasn't just primarily concerned about Jonah technically obeying and delivering this message. He was concerned with with showing Jonah where his heart was and where his priorities had gotten. And that's why he, he didn't stop at the fish, but he used the gourd and the worm and the vehement east wind. He was trying to show Jonah, Jonah, this is who I am and, and Jonah, this is where you are. Yeah. Right. And, and even Jonah, who had just technically obeyed God, his heart was still in this place where, where, where he was more wrapped up in seeing life go his way and he was more wrapped up in the things that made his life more comfortable than he was seeing people experience God's grace and mercy and forgiveness. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And so, so often, that's where I find myself. I get so frustrated sometimes, even on deputation, where like literally the whole reason we're caravanning around the country is so that we can go overseas and tell people about Jesus. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the kind of physical reality of it. But I can still, in the midst of that, find myself so wrapped up with my schedule and things going the way I planned that, that I, just, I just get so angry and so upset when things don't go the way I think they should go. And sometimes I can get, I, I sometimes I've literally got more upset about the fact that where I was staying didn't have Wi-Fi, so I couldn't get any work done. Then I, I was really concerned about maybe the people that were physically living around where I was staying. Wow. Yeah. And when, when I find myself in those situations... God has to stop me and say, "Riley, doest thou well to be angry?" Yes, sir. Yep. Is it a, is what you're so upset about? Is what you're mourning the loss of? Is it really that important in the scheme of things? Is it, is it, is it really what you should, what you should be mourning and what you should be getting fired up about? So as I would ask you this, this evening, if I were to scroll through your Facebook feed or if I were to scroll through the feed of your last couple months what, what did you find yourself getting fired up about the most? What just got under your skin and made you angry? What, what did you find yourself mourning the loss of more than anything else? Well, I think if, if, if you're being honest, I know if I were being honest, more often than not it's not seeing others experience God's grace and mercy like I've experienced it. More often than not, it's me getting angry about plans not going my way or, or, or mourning the loss of things that make my life a little more comfortable. I mean, In, in some ways, over the last year, I, I, I hated wearing a mask as, any, as much as anyone else did. As soon as I, I saw the optional signs on all of those store doors, I was... I was, I, was, I was ready to stand there and say salvation is of the Lord when I realized I didn't have to wear that mask into the store. <laughs> but, but, but really, over the last year and a half or so, some of those things that we found ourselves getting so frustrated about and just spitting mad and infuriated about, and some of those things that we found ourselves mourning the loss of most over the last year and a half, I don't, I don't know if more often than not it was actually souls and other people experiencing God's grace and mercy. I think a lot of times it was those it was things that made our life more uncomfortable. Yeah. I think it's a, a lot of times it was us seeing our plans get frustrated and messed up, seeing things, things come into place, even in our in our nation and country that seem to oppose our very way of life. And I'm not acting like those are, those are not big deals. But if those become our primary concerns, if those are the things that are whipping us up and making us angry, if those are the things that are moving us to compassion and that we're, we're primarily concerned with, th- then maybe over the last year or so, there's some lessons that God wants us to learn as our gourd has been withering a little bit. Yeah, that's good. Now, there are a lot of hills Jonah was worth, thought were worth dying on. Whether it was the, the hill of, of what made his life more comfortable or the hill that, 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 that made his nation prosper or made life go his way. But you know what God was pointing out to Jonah? That of all these things that Jonah really thought were worth dying for, that there was really one thing worth dying for. You know what? Jonah is, is a type of Christ. I mean, Christ says that in the, in, the, in, the new, in the Gospels. He says that just like Jonah was in the fish's belly for three days and three nights, so will I. But the, the, one of the huge differences between Christ and Jonah is that, that, that Christ, he died on the right hill. Right. You know, Jonah, he was willing to... He, he wanted to die for the Gordon, He wanted to die for the prosperity of his nation. But do you know what Christ died on, on Mount Calvary for? He did it for souls. Yes. He did it so that men, women, and children could experience his grace and mercy. Amen. And there, there can... God wants to be gracious to everyone... But because he's a holy and just God, he cannot be gracious until there is repentance, and so there must be repentance. But God's primary concern is always souls. It's, it's, It's him being a gracious and merciful and kind God to those who repent and turn to him. You might say, well, that's true. Jonah was in a bad place. But you know what? I'm here on a Wednesday night, and I hope that you would say this, but you might even say, I'm, I'm even involved in missions giving at our church. You know, the, the question is, and are you technically obeying God? I mean, Jonah was technically obeying God, wasn't he? He just delivered God's message. I mean, all of us, we obey to an extent because we don't like the fish's belly. <laughs> but what I'd like you to consider this evening is where is your heart? Well, none of us are perfect. I think all of us are, are Jonah, maybe more often than not, certainly more often than we would, than we would like to admit. Yeah. But where has your heart been? Is your priority God's priority? Is your priority is what you're most concerned about, other people experiencing the grace and mercy of God that you yourself have experienced in Christ Jesus? Is that what you, you find moving you the most to compassion? Or is it the things that make your life more inconvenient, or or, or the things that, that upset upset your plans? As God said to Jonah, I think he he'd like us to consider tonight, but certainly more than tonight, even as we go forward. Doest thou well to be angry? And he would ask us, you know, you've had pity on the gourd. And most importantly, he would show us that he is a God of grace. It's so wonderful. You know what the answer is? If you find yourself if you, would admit, you know what, I'm like Jonah. My priorities haven't been in the right place. Well, what should you do? You should repent. Yeah. You know what, I have great news, though. We serve a gracious and merciful God who's full of kindness. Yes. And, and he, he's not... He doesn't deliver these messages. He doesn't let her gourd wither so that he can whop us upside the head and tell us, I told you so. But he's doing these things. He's working in the physical circumstances of our lives so that we'll repent and so that we can experience his grace and mercy just like he wants for every last person on the face of this earth.